Beautiful. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see everybody here today. 
in God's house with God's people. And uh, it's wonderful to share this time together, and we welcome you. We welcome our guests, especially this morning. You're uh, very important to us, and we're, we hope that you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God together today. Uh, just a few uh, uh, announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind you of our attendance uh, sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to uh, fill it out as completely as you feel comfortable with as much information as you feel comfortable and check the appropriate box on there. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, it comes out every Thursday. Uh, please be sure to le- uh, put your email address on there. That's a great way to keep up with the uh, activities here at Community Baptist Church. And uh, if you would do that, we would certainly appreciate it. Some things that are coming up. Uh, we had a wonderful breakfast here earlier today. Uh, thank you, uh, Sunday school class, uh, Midway Sunday school class. I was going to say midlife. No, that's not it. It's, it's the Midway Sunday school class. Um, uh, so thank you for that. And uh, and, and being the, the people that we are, we like to eat. So we're going to be having breakfast again next week. Uh, and this will be this will be sponsored by our upward team. Uh, this will be our upward uh, basketball and cheerleading kickoff breakfast. And that'll be at nine o'clock next Sunday. And um, and we're look, looking forward to that. This will be an opportunity for us to. Um, Uh, To volunteer, for one thing, we need a lot of volunteers for our Upward Basketball and Cheerleading Program. Be an opportunity for you to learn a little bit more about what the uh, what's involved with the program, and um, and also it'll be a time for us to fellowship and pray uh, for the upcoming program. It's right upon us. Uh, Next week we will be distributing the flyers in the schools. I think beginning next Monday, not tomorrow, but next week, and. and we all we always like to take uh, some homemade cookies to the schools. Uh, eh, okay, it's a bribe <laughs> to make sure that the, uh, the the brochures get taken home in, uh, or get passed out to the the students. And so, if you would like to make some homemade cookies that we can take to the schools and bribe the teachers, we would appreciate that. And if you would do that, please see Sybil or. Who? Sybil? Chris, Christine or Sybil? And, uh, and we would appreciate that. Uh, also coming up uh, in a few weeks is our Sureway fundraiser. This is the fundraiser that we use for, for most of our mission projects. Uh, and this is, this is the biggest fundraiser that we have during the year. It's a great fundraiser. It's at the Sureway at Eastgate. Uh, we will be barbecuing some chickens, half chickens. Uh, ribs and pork chops sandwiches, and we'll be making sandwiches and setting up dinners. And, um, and we have some tickets available. We, we, we've kind of been slack about this, but we don't want to be slack about that this, this year. We have some tickets available. If you would like to go ahead and purchase something, you can do that. But more importantly, what I would like for you to do is to take some of these tickets with you because I know that you can sell some, Right? Can't you? You know, you probably know 10 people that you can sell these tickets to, don't you? Okay. so when I come when I'm standing at the door, you come by and say, hand me some tickets. I've got about 20 here. So (laughs) there you go. I got 10. (laughs) But uh, you can take some of these and sell these tickets for our Sureway fundraiser. And and this is the, the main way that we make money for our mission projects. And we do a lot in the community here. 
and, and around the world. So if you would do that, we'd appreciate it. Now, Summer, I think you have something you would like to say. Good morning. I would like to take a few moments this morning to recognize and introduce to you the members of our choir. These people lead you in song every morning, and I get to spend an hour a week with them rehearsing. They never fail to put a smile on my face to make me laugh and sometimes to shake my head. <laughs> we, we have a lot of fun in our rehearsals. And I would like to invite anybody who would like to join our family to come to rehearsal. We rehearse Sunday nights at 5 o'clock. Yesterday, we had our second annual choir day, where we rehearsed in the morning, spent a couple hours playing some games, telling facts about ourselves that nobody else knows. <laughs> and now I do. And generally had a lot of fun. On a personal note, I love these people so very much. Our church is so very, very blessed to have a choir of this standard. There aren't many volunteer choirs that sound this good. And every week, I come out of here so thankful and so happy. I can't tell them often enough how much I appreciate them. So let me introduce them to you. In our soprano section, we have Lou Williams, new choir member Kaylee Neal, Amy McDowell, and not pictured is Mary Rye, and... Brittany Smith, which she's here, and she thinks that she sneaks in the back, that she, was, she won't be noticed. <laughs> no, she's probably hiding. And in the alto section, we have Connie Hogberg, Christine Cornelius, Gail Grimes, Nora Hobson, and not pictured Beth Vincent. Our tenors, Jerry Martin, Jim McElwain. Jim Fuller, and Mark Hopson, and our basses, Matthew North, John Cornelius, Bob Crafton, and Danny Vincent. And of course, our choir would not be complete without our illustrious pianist, Chica Crafton. So help me recognize her. And I'm the cheerleader. <laughs> it's great to share these times. And by the way, I looked in my pocket and I found 40 more tickets here. <laughs> so I have some for you today. Uh, so, to, so see me after the service and I'll be glad to give them to you. Let's greet each other in the name of the Lord. Let's share a little time of.
Good morning, everyone. Y'all be seated. We're going to do a new song for you this morning. This is a uh, Amy Grant song. You may have heard it on the radio. Uh, we're going to feature Marilyn on this song. It's Miss Marilyn Dorsey. It's called Better Than a Hallelujah. Words will be up, so join us. <laughs>
<laughs> you all remember last week, Mr. Demi got down here. I'm going to try it. But Joe, you might have to help me when I get... Okay, no, I'm kidding. All right, everybody, come on up. I know there's more kids than this. Dane, Logan, here's the Hudsons. Come on up. This is what we're going to talk about today. These are my friends, Joe and Cindy, okay? And Cindy's going to do a uh, Bible verse for us after a while, and she's going to talk about anger. Hmm. What's anger? Anybody want to take a guess? Do you know, Joe, what's anger? Angry. What makes you angry? Look, what's this word? (coughs) Anger. And you know what the dictionary says? It says, a feeling of extreme displeasure, hostility, indignation, or exasperation towards someone or something. What does that mean? (laughs) That means you get mad, right? You get mad at something. Okay. Um, And think about this week. Did anybody... Why why, why is the choir laughing back here? (laughs) Anger. Matt? Yeah. Okay. Did anybody get dressed for school, and then when they come out, their moms, Jerry's laughing, their mom or their grandma or somebody said, you're not wearing that. You're not wearing that to school. It's too low or whatever. And sometimes kids get angry, anger, okay? Now, what's this word? What? Bitterness, bitterness. Hmm. And you know what the dictionary says? Exhibiting strong animosity. Huh, another big word. What's that mean? If you're bitter. That means you hate something. Ooh. And maybe this week at school, maybe when you got your desk, did somebody ever sit beside somebody they didn't quite like? 
and perhaps you said something toward that person, um, you're really bitter about being at that desk. What about this one? Huh? You're bitter against Miss Kaylee. Shh. Stop. What's this word? It's rage. Ooh. Do you ever see anybody in a rage? My kids have seen me in a rage. It means violent anger. Uh huh. And you know what? How many parents this week got in a rage over the school traffic? <gasps> traffic, traffic, traffic. I know what. Did you? Joe's laughing. Does mom ever get in a rage? Yes. <laughs> Becky. All right. Some of us got in a rage because we have two periods of math this year. Not one period, but two periods of math. That's rage. Uh, another word. Slander. Okay, this is what the dictionary says. The utterance of defamatory statements injurious to the reputation or well-being of a person. You know what that means? You tell a lie about one of your good friends. That's slander. And maybe perhaps um, you go up to the teacher and you say, my friend stole a piece of candy from your desk, and your friend really didn't, but you told your teacher that. That's called slander. And you guys, I'm saying these words because that's what Mr. Joe and Miss Cindy and Dr. Tim are going to talk about today. They're going to talk about anger. And um, in the, pardon? You know what? God doesn't want us to be bitter and God doesn't want us to have rage. He doesn't want us to be angry. He wants us to be Christ-like, and he wants us to do good things. When these folks donated $250 this morning and all that cereal, do you think they were feeling any bit angry? They were feeling real good about being in God's house today, right? And that's what we need to take with us from this children's moment. Leave the anger out of yourself. Leave the frustration and the bitterness and just do be kind to one another. Okay? And that's what Dr. Tim's going to talk about while we go back to Children's Church. All right. Thanks, guys. Please join me in our responsive reading that goes right along with our children's moment and our, our scripture and our sermon for today. Finally, all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love of your brothers and sisters, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Let each of us please our neighbors for their good, to edify them. Have nothing to do with stupid, senseless controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 
Amen. Ephesians 4:30 through 5:2 And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with the seal for the day of redemption put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another <clears throat> tender-hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you therefore be imitators of God as beloved children And live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God.
Let's pray. Dear God, we do stand amazed in your presence. We thank you for your unending love for each of us, for your care, for always being with us even when we can't see it. We thank you for your saving grace, for your son Jesus Christ who died for the sins of each of us. We ask that you would bless this church, the work that's done here. We're thankful for the love and care that goes on here. Uh, Help us to share the gospel and help us to use these offerings in a way that would be pleasing to you. In your son's name I pray. Amen.
Wow. Wasn't that wonderful? And just think, you could be a part of this choir. <laughs> oh. Okay, let me ask you something this morning. Have you ever been so angry that it caused you to do something really stupid? Has that ever happened to you? It probably has happened to most of us at some time or another. I heard about two guys who were literally pummeling each other over a parking spot. Both of the cars had tried to park in the the same spot, and, and fortunately they stopped just before hitting each other. But now both drivers were out of their, their cars, and they're angry, and they're beating each other up. But what amused the guy who was observing all of this was a sign over the intended parking spot that said, you guessed it, no parking. I wonder if the guy who won the fight got a ticket for illegal parking. People just get so upset sometimes over the most trivial things. And then they act out their anger in strange ways. One of the most bizarre stories from ancient history is told about the Persian military leader Xerxes, who lived in the 5th century B.C. Xerxes was attempting to invade Greece with a huge army, and his plan was to cross a narrow strait of water between Greece and Persia called Hellespoint. And what he tried to do was to build two pontoon bridges across this strait of water here. And it was quite an engineering feat to do this, but a, but a huge storm, just before they completed the project, a huge storm came up and destroyed both of the pontoon bridges before the army could cross over to the other side. And this made Xerxes so mad that he had those responsible for building the bridge beheaded. Now, if he had stopped there, we could have deemed him reasonably sane, but dreadfully cruel. But he didn't stop there, because he, he, he not only took out his anger on those who built the bridge, but he also took out his fury on the body of water itself. He had fetters, the chains and shackles that prisoners wear, thrown onto the body of water in order to punish it. But not satisfied with this, he also gave his soldiers orders to give the body of water 300 lashes with a whip. And if that weren't enough, he branded the body of water with red hot irons. Now we say, how stupid can you get? What a dumb thing to do. Meanwhile, we... Perfectly rational people yell at our television sets when a referee makes a bad call and our team loses yardage. We scream at the television as as if somehow the referee was going to hear us and change his call. Now, I know that nobody in this room's ever done anything like that, right? But anger can cause us to do some pretty silly things. There's an old Buddhist legend about a young farmer who was paddling his boat feverishly up the river, trying to deliver his produce to a a nearby village so that he could get back home before dark. But suddenly he sees 
another vessel coming downstream towards him. It was as if the the other boat was deliberately trying to ram him. And so he began screaming at the other other boat, you idiot, watch where you're going, you're about to ram me. But the other boat just just kept coming. And then there was a, a sickening thud as the other boat does ram into him. And so he continues his tirade. You moron, look at what you've done. There's plenty of room in the river. There's plenty of room for both of us. You could have gotten out of my way. You could have gone around me. And then he happens to notice that there was no pilot in the other boat. It was empty. The vessel was empty. It seems that the boat had broken away from its moorings upstream. And and so he had been screaming at an empty vessel. His ranting had been as futile as when we scream at our television sets. But the point of the legend is that the boat is always empty. Our ranting and raving rarely solves anything. But anger does that to people, doesn't it? It causes us to do some really Stupid things that we wouldn't normally do in our lives. And sometimes it causes us to do some tragic things. You may have heard of Dr. Benjamin Carson. He's one of the most famous surgeons in our country. Dr. Carson is the director of pediatric neurosurgery in Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. And, and he's a much, he is much respected, particularly for the care that he gives to children. But early in his life, Dr. Carson had a, a terrible problem with his temper. His parents divorced when he was eight years old, and he says, I adopted God as my earthly father as well as my heavenly father. But that experience of adopting God did not cause his temper to magically go away. He began running with some teenagers in his neighborhood, and, and one day he was involved with a, a scuffle, a, got involved in a scuffle with another boy. And he let his temper get away from him. And before anybody could stop him, he drew a knife and he stabbed at the boy. Fortunately, his knife caught on the boy's belt buckle. Didn't do any damage. But young Ben was wise enough to realize how close he had come to doing something really tragic. All because of his anger. And so he rushed home and he fell on his knees and he began to pray. I had tried to stab another teenager, he later wrote. And I recognized that I had a personality defect with my, with my terrible temper. And I prayed for three hours and I asked God to, to take that defect away. He said, I've been reading psychology today and I knew that it was difficult to change a personality defect. But God took it away from me. And since then, says Dr. Carsons, I've never had a problem with my temper. What a fortunate person Ben Carson is. You know, his life could have taken an entirely different route if his prayer had not been answered. Anger can cause us to do some truly tragic things. And in our lesson for today, as we have been moving through the book of Ephesians. I remind you that Paul is writing from jail. In last week's lesson, you'll remember he 
He instructed the church at Ephesus to maintain their unity as a people and to develop the gifts that God had given to them. But today, Paul is addressing individual Christians in their spiritual journey, and he tells them, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but get rid of all the bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Paul is telling the people of Ephesus and us to get rid of all of those feelings of hostility that we have and be kind, be compassionate, be forgiving toward one another. Now, most of us will agree that that's not always an easy thing to do. But somehow Paul had managed to do it. I mean, if anyone had a good reason to be angry, it was Paul. Remember, he's writing from prison. And it was a fate that he did not deserve. He could have been bitter at those who who put him there. He could have been bitter at those in the church who were constantly criticizing him and slandering him and making all kinds of accusations against him. And there was a time when, when Paul probably would have fought back at those who persecuted him like this. I mean, remember, at one time in his life, he had been a fire-breathing reactionary punishing people who did not conform to what he believed was the true religion. But Paul's heart has been changed. He truly became a new person when he met Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus. Christ performed a miracle in his life. And so now Paul is able to return hatred with love. And anger with gentleness. And slander with words of kindness. Not many people reach a level of spiritual maturity like that. There are some people that we encounter whose hearts are filled with anger. We see it all the time. We see it on the road, on the road when, in, in road rage when somebody cuts someone off. You see those angry faces and those obscene gestures. We see it in our offices. People who tend to fly off of the handle at the slightest little thing. Some of us may live with someone like that. Constantly walking on eggshells lest we upset the fragile peace that exists there. Maybe we have that spirit of bitterness and anger ourselves. And it causes us a lot of grief. Every New Year's Eve, we make a resolution to control our temper better this year. And, and after every tirade, we apologize to our loved ones. We truly regret that we've allowed ourselves to, to get out of control, but we still do not change. But notice this. Paul tells us that we're not only bringing grief to our families and our friends, and our co-workers when our anger gets out of control. He says that we're also bringing grief to God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, he says. But get rid of all that bitterness and wrath and anger. 
You know what that says to me? That tells me that anger is a spiritual problem. Anything that threatens our relationship with others is an enemy of God. You cannot be what God wants you to be when you are filled with rage. God can't use us as effectively to do God's work if we are filled with anger and bitterness and malice and slander. This is a spiritual problem and it demands a spiritual solution. So what's the solution to a bad temper? How do we escape from this prison of our own negative feelings? Well, on a human level, the best thing that we can do is to find some acceptable way of releasing our anger. That's purely on a a human level, to find some acceptable way to release it, to get rid of it, some way to, to get rid of those negative emotions. I I read an interesting article about a hotel in Spain a few years ago that was making some major renovations, but, but rather than hiring a professional demolition crew to come in and to, to gut the building, they offered 30 highly stressed out people. A group of people selected by a team of psychologists they gathered them, them together and offered them a chance to take up a sledgehammer and, a, and a, a battering ram and smash through the hotel rooms, wearing protective dust masks and goggles and helmets and gloves and things like this. The, the amateur demolition crew swung hammers into television sets and, and walls and tossed beds and desks around like a hard partying rock star. And I'm sure they felt better after releasing all of their pent-up rage. And on a human level, that's about all we can do with anger. Find some acceptable way of releasing it. My friends, anger can only be bottled up for so long without manifesting itself in ways that can be damaging to ourselves and to others. But I think there's another way to deal with anger. And that is to do what Ben Carson did. Turn it over to God. Because anger is a spiritual problem and there's a spiritual solution to it. For one thing, we need to ask, where do those negative emotions come from in the first place? What's causing us to be so angry? What causes us to fly off the handle at the least little thing and to be filled with such bitterness? Why are we not able to overcome these feelings of malice and all the other negative emotions that Paul warns us about? Don't most of these negative emotions come from our basic insecurity about who we are? There's a deep unrest within many people that began in our earliest days, and this unrest reflects a a deep question about whether we can trust other people or not, whether we can trust ourselves, and ultimately whether we can trust God or not. Psychologists will tell us that the first question that we ask emotionally is, is the world a friendly place? 
And maybe something happens to some of us early in our lives that causes us to believe that the world's not a friendly place and we can't really trust anyone. Somehow, some of us got these these negative messages about ourselves and about our world and and even about God. And it left us with a with a terrible ache. And for some people, that ache is expressed through depression and, and for others, it's through anger. And I'm here to say to you today that a solution to that deep seated emotion is to ask God to reach deep down into our souls and to pluck out that mistrust and that fear and that deep anger. To ask God to make us a new person. My friends, spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. And, and we may need to ask for God's help in dealing with our anger. And finally, one more thing. We need to ask God to convert our anger into love. That's where a spiritual solution really begins to take hold in our lives. And it's when we're able to return good for evil. Reverend Curtis Goforth tells a story about an old, one of his old Hebrew professors' experience, something he experienced one year when he was on a an archaeological dig in Israel. He said that there were a number of Ethiopians employed by the dig to provide some of the labor required, but the the old professor said that they were a really strange bunch. And he said most of them were Coptic Christians and that they didn't do things, or or they always did things a little differently than, than we do. He said that Towards the end of the dig, he had been up all day and most of the night trying to get everything done to wrap up the uh, excavation to get back home. But he was distracted by a loud voice of one of the Ethiopians in the tent next to him. And so he yelled at him to be quiet. But he didn't. He yelled again. And he still made this loud noise and was talking loudly with his voice. And so finally he threw one of his dusty old boots at the tent. And that finally made him shut up. And then the professor said that he later learned that the guy in the tent next door was praying aloud, as Coptic Christians do often. Now imagine that. The old professor had thrown a boot at a man because he was praying. He said he woke up the next morning to find that dusty old boot that he had thrown next to to the at the tent next to him. He found that boot next to the entrance to his tent. And both of his boots had been cleaned and polished as he slept. Reverend Goforth says we throw dusty boots at one another all the time, don't we? But how many times can we say that we have taken those dusty boots, hurled at us, and polished them up and handed them back to the offending person? It takes a remarkable person to do that. But that is exactly what God wants us to be. Remarkable people. 
people who have grown to resemble his son, Jesus Christ. Anger is a spiritual problem and it requires a spiritual solution. It's good if you can find some acceptable way to release your negative feelings. That's better than taking it out on your family and friends. But better still is to ask God to reach down into your soul and to remove those insecurities that cause you to be so angry. And to replace it. Replace it with the Holy Spirit of God. A spirit of love. A spirit of peace. A spirit that makes us want to be no longer angry. A spirit that calms our souls and enables us to be compassionate and loving and filled with peace. I hope And I pray that that is the case with each of us here today. Amen. We're going to sing today our invitation hymn, O Master, Let Me Walk With Thee, number 279. And there may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Christ. Perhaps you've never done that before, and we invite you to make that commitment to Christ. It's the start of a journey. It's not going to turn your life around completely, automatically, and all of a sudden. It may. It, it, that happens sometimes. But often, often the times when we make our commitment to Christ, it's just the start of a new journey. It's the start of something where we take a step in the right direction, and then we take another step and another step. Because, folks, let me tell you something. There's not anyone in this room that's arrived yet. We're still on the journey. And so don't let it stop you from making that commitment to Christ if you think, well, I'm just, I just don't know that I can do this. Here's what you can do. You can take that one step. And we invite you to do that, to take that step towards accepting Christ as your Savior and Lord today. Perhaps you're looking for a church to, to unite with, to be a part of, to fellowship with, to work with, to serve with. We invite you to come and unite with our church. Or maybe you've been struggling with some anger or any other issue in your life. And you feel like you need a little time of prayer. Be glad to come and pray with you. We invite you to come as we sing together. Oh, Master, let me walk with thee. Would you come?
Oh God, you have revealed yourself to us so that we may better see you and love you. And now we beseech you to strengthen our wills so that we may choose what is good over what is evil. Show us the glory and the power of your blessed good news made known to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And, to, and teach us to live in love as Christ has loved us. Amen.